I'm Colin. And I'm Megan. And this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional, Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back. Getting and staying organized is one of the hardest things to do, both personally and for your business. And now, with a lot more time accessible to us than we ever thought we'd have, it's a great opportunity to work on getting and staying organized. So today, Savannah Westwood, the Savvy Sitter, is on to talk about her processes that she has in place and gives us some tips and tools to help us along. And hopefully, by the end of this and moving forward, we'll not have so much clutter around, both mentally and physically in the space around us. So grab a pen and paper or your favorite note-taking app, and let's get started. Savannah, thank you so much for coming on today. This is a really big and important topic. I couldn't agree more, Colin, and thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to helping my fellow pet sitters and dog walkers help them keep organized. You also have a background, not just in pet sitting, but also in organization. Yes. So kind of a little brief history of my career. I actually started in an international moving company, which was a startup. Um, And my title was an international relocation specialist. And that's basically a fancy term for I can basically move your household goods from uh, country to country through customs and all that fun stuff. And with that job, you had to be extremely organized because your hands were multiple moved um, during that during the day and through the month. Um, Basically, I worked there for three years, parted ways and decided to start my own company as a professional organizer called the Savvy Organizer. Um, It was great work, but (laughs) pretty much the needs of my clients called and said, hey, can you come uh, help take care of Fluffy and our pets and all that fun stuff? Um, So my business evolved into more pet sitting and dog walking. How do you think that your background in, in organization has really played into how you pet sit? I find it very easy because um, I'm naturally a very organized person and people respond to that very well. Like as we will get into during our discussions, there are things that I have done to help keep myself organized and my clients as well. So it just kind of helps as far as time management, logistics, um, communication, you know, keeping things uh, structured, um, efficient. It, it just kind of comes naturally to me. And that's why a lot of clients like using me is because I'm very organized, detailed oriented. And, you know, I want to try to provide the best customer service and most efficient uh, experience with my clients. Now, when we think big picture here, um, you have some pretty shocking organization statistics that, that you like to talk about. Yeah, people are always surprised when I tell them some of these things. But the typical U.S. worker is interrupted by uh, communication technology every 10 minutes. Um, like most uh, professionals, we have a professional organization, which is called the NACO, so the National Association of Professional Organizers. And they did a survey, and it says that we spend about one year of our lives trying to find lost items. Um, one in four families that have a two-car garage can't park in them because there's so much stuff in them. So it's basically an on-site storage unit. And then a similar surprising fact is 80% of the items we have, we never use. Um, And here's a fun one. I think your wife would appreciate this. But um, 
Cleaning professionals say that getting rid of excess clutter will eliminate 40% of the housework in average home. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and here's the real shocker. Um, So I'm sure where you live, you see probably storage units and storage facilities getting built up, right? Yes. Yeah. They are, it's almost as uh, frequent as uh, banks and uh, fast food joints. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. But did you know, um, the business of storage units and facilities is a hundred and fifty-four billion dollar industry and growing. I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> now no, you do. do. <laughs> yeah, and it's one of those things of there's the stuff that you're not using, and then you're paying people to store it to not use it. And there's just there's just yes. there's waste, uh, wasted money, wasted time throughout that entire process. Mm-hmm. Exactly. At one point, you were a, a professional organizer. How, how would you define what mm-hmm. an organizer is and what they do? So a professional organizer is a person that can help you organize any of the physical and digital spaces in your life. Um, there's also something called projective consultants, which they fall under the same category as an organizer, but they're there to help with more of the non-physical, non-material things um, just to help make things more efficient. So time management, scheduling, and all that fun stuff. But overall, organizers are here to establish order, function, and clarity. Those three words are so powerful, especially in the as a pet sitter when we feel like we don't have order, when function can break down in our hectic days, and, and clarity can, you, you can kind of have a hard time figuring that out some, sometimes. So I, I, those, those three words really stand out to me. Well, that's the point of a professional organizer. We're here to help you get those things that you want. So I think the big question of all of this is, okay, how can I be organized? There are a lot of people that they're naturally just ingrained to be organized. But I think a lot of people have to realize that there is no right or wrong way to be organized. Um, But you have to have a system that you use and or create that has to work for you. So it has to make sense to you. It has to be reliable. Um, Pretty much when I get sometimes called in to do a a room or something like that, um, we'll say a closet, for example, I can go into any closet, organize it how I would use it. But the problem is, it's not my closet. It's your closet. So whatever system I set up um, may not work for you. And that's kind of the goal of a professional organizer is, we're helping you kind of help create that system specifically geared towards you. So if you're on your own, when you're trying to get organized, you just need to try to remember to set up a system, try it out, stick to it for a while. If it doesn't work, tweak it and try again. Yeah. I think we, I think we've all had that experience of as, as pet sitters of maybe being in somebody else's home and not being able to make heads or tails of where anything is or why it is there. And then we go back in our home and go, well, this is a logical reason, or this makes sense for all of these things to be here. But it's, as you mentioned, it's a very personal decision. Exactly. So when we're trying to build these systems, it is basically you're creating a new routine or a habit. And it takes about 21 days to two months to create new habits or routines, and they become automatically ingrained, to, mm. ingrained into our system. So I think it's important just, you know, to have just good organization habits in general. Yeah. And whenever you start something new to go, okay, I need to give this a month 
to just to stick with this and see if this really is going to work and not a fly by day to day different changes of I can, you know, I can do this one thing for, for one month and then we'll reassess at the end of it just to see if it sticks and if it's actually going to do what I, I hope it is. Exactly. So are we ready to get into some good organization habits? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So some general um, good organization habits are um, organizers usually declutter on a regular basis. Um, it's called habitual decluttering. <laughs> <laughs> so um, even if you're kind of daily cluttering, uh, decluttering, um, for myself, for example, I pretty much go through my wallet at the end of the day. I take out any spare coins, any receipts, and I put them kind of where they need to be. So I'm not carrying that extra uh, clutter in my wallet. Um, but there's also times where you do need to take uh, a uh, once or twice a year, take stock of all the major clutter and do some purging. So just keep that in mind. So here are some general tips that will help in your personal life and in your business. So what I'm about to tell you will not only change your life, but it will also help with your business mm. as well. All right. You have your pen and paper ready? I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the first thing that I tend to do is I write a list every morning. Um, when people start to feel overwhelmed, um, and your mind feels cluttered and you, then you start to feel panicked and stressed, um, it's important to take a minute and write down what you need to get done for the day. Seeing it physically manifest on paper makes it less scary and not as overwhelming. Mm. In addition to that, it helps free up the mind to focus on the task at hand. Personally, for me, I take my list and, you know, I make two or three categories, one for business and one for personal and something else that, you know, daily tasks or whatnot. Um, personally, I'm a pen and paper kind of gal. Um, I'm addicted to the sweet satisfaction of taking my pen and crossing it off <laughs> immediately. <laughs> um, but there are applications on your phone um, to easily make it like a list um, that way as well. Mm -hmm. But again, I'm more of a pen and paper kind of person. Yeah. What I love about the, the list idea is, you know, our brains are really good at being creative and are, but they're terrible at storing information. And as you mentioned there, when all that clutter builds up, things get blown out of proportion and you feel like you're losing track of stuff. So it just helps it nail it down, makes it, it as you said, manifests into something that you can look, stare at, and then have that satisfaction of crossing it off at the end of the day. Exactly. I think when we see things in our head, they seem bigger than they actually appear. Mm. So I think that famous saying, like, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time yeah. <laughs> at a time <laughs> yep. or a giraffe? I've heard that one too, but mm. the elephant seems to be the bigger picture here. Yeah. Um, so another tip that I like to use is find time and use it to your advantage. And what I mean by that is we, I don't think people realize that we do spend a lot of time waiting for things. So either waiting at the bank, um, waiting to get car repairs, um, just waiting in line in general. So people always tell me like, well, I don't have the time. I'm just like, there's time. <laughs> you just got to find it and use it to your advantage. Yeah. So like when I'm waiting um, to get my car repaired or oil change, I always have things that I need to get done for the day. And technology has come so far that like you can answer emails on your phone. I can do invoicing on my phone. I can respond back to clients ASAP. And I'm just doing this as I'm waiting for my car to get prepared. Yeah, well, and, and you taking those moments of, oh, I don't have any time during the day. 
well, do you have three minutes while you're waiting before your next client? Do you have five okay. minutes, you know, while they're, while the dog is pooping and you're, you know, processing the pictures, take those moments and, and do small batches of this little organization stuff throughout the day. So you don't have to find two hours to sit down and organize everything in your entire life. Doing it little by little really adds up. Exactly. One of my golden rules that I do for myself is that it takes five minutes or less do it now. Mm. And, oh, that's, that's so powerful because it really is. A, it's a quick decision tool of, okay, that uh, tells me what, what can, what should I be doing now? Or, you know, how can I prioritize these things on my list? Exactly. You got it, Colin. So the next important thing in that matter is don't multitask. I know I mostly find that millennials and now like Gen Z's were, were supposedly really good at multitasking. That is not the case. <laughs> um, studies have found that multitasking actually reduces your productivity by, take a guess, Colin, how much? Uh, I, <laughs> I, I think I'm too busy multitasking. Uh, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll give you the number. It's 40%. So that's almost that's, half. That's, in, half. that's insane. <laughs> so in addition to that, while it reduces your productivity, it also reduces the quality of work. Mm. So not only are you having to, again, reduce the productivity, you're probably going to have to go back and redo it again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which, which kind of defeats the whole purpose of why you multitask in the, perp in the first place, because you thought this is going to save me time, but then you're going back doing edits. And I think we've all experienced this when we're sending an update to a client or we're trying to answer emails while we're doing a walk or while we're picking a poop or while we're trying to feed them. You go back and you read that email and you go, none of those are actually words. And uh, that doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> exactly. Um, I do believe there is some form of multitasking, but it's more of a set it and lead it kind of multitasking. So what I mean by set it and lead it is like, I'm doing laundry. So now I can go do work because you're letting something else do the work yeah. while you can move on to something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, that's, that's co-processing is different than multitasking of, okay, I have mm -hmm. one thing in the works and it's running. I can mm -hmm. step aside and I can do something else in the meantime. Yeah. I would call that multitasking. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I have a saying that um, everything has its place and everything has its thing. Mm. So everything that I own has a designated spot. Um, so if I, by chance, you know, if it's not there, we have a problem. So, for example, I have my car keys and I put it in this one specific spot every time. So if I have to leave in a hurry, it's right there. I actually read an article, <laughs> and you're going to laugh. So if you lose your keys, it takes about six minutes to find them. <laughs> some, some, I, I, I read that, I go, oh, that's all? Because I feel like it takes me about 15 sometimes whenever I well, lose mine. <laughs> that's the minimum. I'm sure, sure it's different for everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's six minutes that you've lost, or more in your case, Colin. Yeah. So, that six minutes or 15 minutes that you're behind schedule. Try trying to find a set of keys. Mm. So just make sure it, when you have specific items that you definitely use on a regular basis, that it has a designated spot, whether that's your car keys, your phone, um, your wallet or purse, um, backpack, whatever you use on a regular basis. Make sure that you have a designated spot where you keep those things. Mm. 
All right, Colin, this is this is gonna be a game changer for you, this uh, this next one. So I have a question for you. <laughs> I'm afraid to answer this. <laughs> you know what's about to be asked. <laughs> <laughs> so do you make your bed every morning or does um, your wife? <laughs> if, I, if I said yes, would you believe me? Um, <laughs> I, no. I will believe you, okay. but I'm sure <laughs> I will find out the truth later. <laughs> I will say, being honest, our, our, our bed does not get made every morning uh, most, most days. That's for sure. <laughs> and that's okay. But here are some good reasons why you should make it in the morning. And people are always surprised, like, what does this have to do with organization and productivity? I'm about to tell you. So studies have shown that people who tend to make their bed get more accomplished in the day. It also helps with being productive and is a good way to start the day. Mm. So it basically, first thing you do when you make your bed is you get one thing done, one thing accomplished. First thing when you get up in the morning. Yeah. And that sense of accomplishment helps you um, keep the rest of your room tidy. Because, you know, a nice made bed is a nice thing to come home to, right? Right. So it also lowers your stress and improves your mood. So you spend about one third of your life in your bedroom, and the appearance of your room has an effect on your mood. So a made bed shows that you care about yourself, your home, and being cared about, and it helps lift your mood. Um, it lightens emotional burdens and makes you feel happier. My aunt used to tell me that a made bed is the best present you can wrap for yourself and unwrap after a long day. You know, you mentioned it, it's it's one thing to get checked off right at the beginning of the day. So barring anything else, you've already completed one task. And and that's such a, when people talk about getting out of bed on the right foot, what what a better way to do that than you're also, you know, giving a gift, as you said, to yourself at the end of the day too. It's It's kind of all this, all inclusive. I know, like for me, if I don't make my bed every morning and I know it's going to be a long day, it just makes the day worse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. Oh. <laughs> we'll start making our bed. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Start... I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so I have another question for you, Paula, and answer truthfully. Okay. Um, is there something in the room you're in that doesn't belong there? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so another rule that I apply is never leave a room empty-handed. Mm. And this is kind of what that means. So chances are, if you look around in the room you're at, something in there doesn't belong. So a great example of this is, you know, I'm assuming everyone takes a glass of water or a bottle of water with them to bed at night in case they get thirsty. That obviously doesn't belong in your room. So you just need to be aware of, you know, when you leave a room, take something that doesn't belong there. So whether if you're taking that glass of water and bringing it back to the kitchen or you have a pile of mail that, you know, needs to go to the office, just make the conscious effort of being aware of what is in that room and where are you going to and what can be taken there mm. so instead of walking back and forth multiple times like oh i forgot my keys oh i forgot my laptop just being mindful of again everything has its place and every place has its thing right, right? yeah Th- these aren't big tasks these are just these are little things finding little pieces of time, finding one object to, to take, leave a room with and take it to where it's supposed to go. It's so that you, you, you take these 
these one bites of an elephant at, at each time throughout the day. Like the goal, people are always surprised that when people ask them, well, how long does it take to organize and declutter a room? You really won't see any changes until hour four. Mm. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. That really puts so it to perspective. Yeah. So I try to explain to people like following up onto clutter. Um, I do have a rule and this is a great rule to have because it helps reduce clutter or at least negate the growth of clutter is if one new thing comes in, one old thing comes out. Because mm. remember, Colin, we only use about 80% of, um, we don't use 80% of what we own. So it's important to not have that clutter or add to it. Now, one of the places that pet sitters spend an awful lot of their time is in our cars. And sometimes our cars can feel like our second home. And so they tend to also be pretty disorganized. <laughs> I would have to agree with you 100%. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I do agree that our car is basically either our first or second office. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Again, uh, professional organizers have another saying, a cluttered desk is a cluttered mind. But in our case, a cluttered car is a cluttered mind. Mm. So um, what I do is I regularly get my car regularly get my car cleaned and detailed. Um, we do have blind, dirt, dog hair, just general unpleasant smell sometimes yeah. that is becoming most lengthy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's important to get it regularly cleaned, not just for your car, but for yourself too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it is a business write-off as well. So use that to your advantage. Um, when you're spending time in a car, it's again it's regaining that time back. It's I I would try to listen to audiobooks, learn a language, listen to podcasts like Pet, uh, Pet Sitter Confessionals hey. to learn something new. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, that rule of um, being mindful of what's in your car and what doesn't belong in your car. So I know people tell me, like, I just have a lot of trash in the car, like mostly fast food trash, but mm-hmm. who am I to judge? Um, but one way to keep that contained and not, you know, it, have it rolling around in your car is, you know, those plastic cereal boxes that you use to keep cereal fresh? Mm-hmm. You can actually use it as a trash bin. So you just take a little plastic grocery bag um, and you put it in there and the little pop lid, you can put your trash in there. Mm. And then if it rolls over in your car, it's not going to spill everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love this because you're always in the car and you're always going, I have trash. I need some place to put the trash. I'll just put it in the little door pocket down here or on the passenger seat or on the you know floorboards behind me. And it just gets everywhere. And so going, hey, you have trash, put a trash can with a lid <laughs> yeah. in your car. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, it's, it's easy to move about. Like, you can put it, obviously, I don't know everyone's car size and what they're driving, but you can put it in between the cars yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, it's also important to have um, designated bags as well. I, I know for me, I have a dog hammock in the back of my car um, just so my feet don't get scratched up and dog hair is contained. But pretty much when I'm done with it, I fold it up and I have a designated bag for it and it's hanging on the back of the seat ready to go for my next trip. I know when you sent me all these questions from, or your listeners, a lot of it was regarding clients. Um, and But I wanted to talk about how you physically can't go in and help get your clients organized. 
but you can set them up for success. Are you ready, Colin? <laughs> I, I I am, and this is I, I'm I'm ready to take notes because I I have we have sat, and I think everyone has sat for those clients where you just you, your your brain kind of breaks whenever you think about how disorganized they can be. <laughs> exactly. So some things that I do to help keep my um, getting my client to be successful um, is I have a checklist for them. So when I send over my uh, service agreement and contract um, photo release, I send them a little checklist. And what this checklist has is just several things that they need to do um, to get done before we can begin services. So a couple things um, on the checklist is following up with their emergency contact. It's a great way to let them know like, hey, our pet sitter is staying or taking care of our pets, go our way. This is your name. Um, this is it. We're gone. They may be calling you. But it's also a great way for them to check in with their emergency contact to see if they're going to be around. So that's mm-hmm. always important to them because, I mean, if they're not around and you can't reach anybody, what are you going to do? Right, right. So another thing that I have on my checklist is to follow up with their security company or I work for a lot of clients that are in gated communities. So making sure that the security company and the uh, gate guards are aware that I'm coming, mm-hmm. who I am, what my information is, and what my secret codes and passwords are. are. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, and, you know, this just speaks, you know, I, we have a rule uh, and for us is don't get the cops called on you. And this is just it speaks volumes to that. <laughs> yes. yes. We don't want that to happen no. um, at all. And I know I've, I've, added this, I've added onto my list later on, and this might be good for, I, I live in Florida. So we have those horrible, horrible summers that you can fry an egg on a car and some bacon mm-hmm. and maybe a pancake and we have a full breakfast ready for you. <laughs> um, it's pretty much a guarantee <laughs> that every summer when one of my clients goes away, their AC unit breaks. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's just a matter of who. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, what I put on there, in addition to following up with the emergency contact and the security uh, systems and gate guards, um, is who their primary um, AC unit repair people are. So we can get in touch with them instead of our client being the middleman and trying to arrange um, somebody to come out there or if ourselves need to be out there on site to oversee it. Yeah. No, I, that's, I love hearing that because that's one of those things of all of a sudden you do find yourself in the middleman and you're asking who do you normally contact and you're having to wait and then you're having to play this back and forth. If you already have that mm-hmm. person's name and everything ready to go, you just let them know, hey, I called your AC guy because it's broken. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And do you know why, Colin, I know this is being used as far as my checklist? Uh, <laughs> how? <laughs> I get that paperwork back and it has all the information on it and it's crossed or checked off. Yeah. <laughs> The checklist, it's, it's, it's so simple and, and yet so, so powerful and so effective for those, for those reasons we've been talking about. Exactly. And it shows your clients that you're organized and you're thinking a couple steps ahead. Yeah. Another thing that I do on a regular basis is I have a consistent schedule and time that I send out uh, payment requests and invoices as well as when they're supposed to be received. Mm. So if we make sure that 
our payment is obviously and our cash flow is good. Um, our clients are aware of like, okay, I need to make sure that I need to pay Colin, Savannah, mm-hmm. whoever. So just having that consistent uh, day for me it's Sunday um, to send out those invoices. And then usually by Monday or Tuesday or even Sunday, I get payment. Um, another thing that I do is I send out monthly emails. I always try to send it the first couple of days in the month. But with the email, um, obviously you put tips and kind of what's going on in your business. But I also put what holidays and when school breaks are coming up. Mm. Mm. So it's obviously school breaks and holidays are a little bit different in each state. But obviously, I don't know what your spring break is, but I know when my spring break is. Yeah, yeah. But I, it's pretty much a guarantee <laughs> that you're going to get between, or at least for me, I've gotten at least three to five responses back from that one uh, email that was sent out um, with clients contacting me and saying, hey, we need you for these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and that what, you know, what I hear that speaking to is, is trying to avoid that last minute scheduling crunch. Because the further you can get booked and and everything in stone, the 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 more peace of mind you're going to have, and the the less chaos. Because we we all have had that uh, a holiday comes up and we're looking at our calendar, going, okay, people are going to start booking anytime soon. And then the weeks pass, and then it starts mm-hmm. getting closer, and then it's the day before, and you get slammed, and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. did they not know? And you're you're cutting that off at the knees and going, here's I'm I'm I your pet sitter am sending you when you may potentially need me. <laughs> well, I'm sure you get the question all the time, like, well, how far in advance do you, I need to book you? I'm like, the sooner, the better. <laughs> yes, yes, and and uh, and this again just puts it out there and, and helps them helps another gentle reminder of, hey, these dates are coming up. They may you they may be important to you. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, we can dive right into some of the questions, um, and I want to thank um, all of, uh, everybody from Facebook and Instagram that responded and sent in their questions and comments for staying organized. It I, we talked about at the beginning of the show of, of it's a it's a big topic, it's kind of a scary topic, and so thank you for everybody who submitted questions for today for Savannah to answer for us. All right, um, I think the first question was about keys. Am I right? Yes, it was. It was as someone, uh, one of the comments was keys, so many keys. Okay. So there's a couple ways that we can organize keys. Um, the first way I try not to be responsible for the keys. So I ask the clients if they can have a lockbox on site. Um, that way, in case there's an emergency or my assistant needs to get in or another person or someone to come do some work on the house. There's a way for them to get in and we're not having to pass the baton or the key in this case to that person. In addition, it's a great way for if the client ever gets pulled out of their house, they have a way of getting back in too. (laughs) And then I usually get the, that makes sense. I'm like, yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) So um, if you do end up with these and I do have these as well, um, is you can get little key tags um, either on Amazon or any kind of store, mostly Office Depot. Um, and you can write on the key or the tag in this case, 
um, the client's name and or their pet. So that way you all keys look alike. <laughs> You're not having that problem of like, I think it's this one or there's two keys that kind of have the same logo. I don't know which one they are. <laughs> so instead of doing trial and error, uh, at least you have that kind of key tag to tell you the difference. And either just a keychain too, or you can go to um, Home Depot or Lowe's and those, there's these new fancy looking keys that have like Hello Kitty or <laughs> what have you. But the more I think you can distinguish um, the keys either with Art Deco as a key or a keychain or a key tag, the better. Um, if you are a big nail polish fanatic, <laughs> you can take the key head and get it painted with whatever nail polish color you want. Mm. <laughs> and um, that way it's color coordinated. Um, but you know those um, business card holder slots, right? That you can put in a binder. Yeah. Right, Colin? yeah. You can actually use those um, to put keys in them. And you can put a little index card or a business size piece of paper, or business size business card size piece of paper, um, with the client's information. So the key's pretty secure in that. So and again, that's organized, and you can pretty much grab the key and go. Mm. But I always make sure that my keys are in some form of bag and not like loose in the car yeah. either. Yeah, having a bunch of loose keys just sends me into anxiety attacks. Um, and so, yeah, I love the the try and make them visually as different as possible, step one. And then step two, get them into something, whether that's a bag or the business card slots. Or as you mentioned at the beginning there, pre preferably at the owner's home. Because, you know, the context of a key is at a door. You don't really need it when you're out running around around the city. You need it when you're at that person's house and so exactly. trying to use those lock boxes you know I, that's a that's a great idea and if people are wondering where you can find these lock boxes amazon <laughs> <laughs> that's the answer for everything <laughs> it, that's the answer for everything yeah um but um yeah lock boxes are great and again that's you know you're not having that extra responsibility of being in charge of a key mm -hmm. and you know that guilt of losing the key and like crap i don't know where it is yeah yeah <laughs> but i yeah this is what i was gonna say i know that a lot of technology again the technology aspect is like i have a client that has a basically a digital garage door opener and a digital key to, with a bluetooth to let me in the house and there was the new key codes so technology is progressing but it's still good to at least have some sort of key on site because technology to fail. Have you heard about Time to Pet? Doug from Bad to the Bone Pet Care has this to say. Time to Pet has made managing my team and clients so much easier. Our clients love the easy-to-use app and scheduling features, and our sitters love being able to have all of their information organized and easily accessible. My favorite feature is the instant messaging. By keeping conversations on Time to Pet, we are able to monitor our team and ensure nothing ever falls through the cracks. If you are looking for new pet sitting software for your business, give Time to Pet a try. As a listener of Pet Sitter Confessional, you'll get 50% off your first three months when you sign up at timetopet.com slash confessional. All right. Next question. Yeah. The next several questions that, that we got were really all about scheduling. Um, you know, and so I, 
one of the one of the questions was, you know, a constant. I have a constantly changing schedule, and schedule changes. Some people try their best to accommodate other people's schedules, um, but you get those last minute schedule changes all the time, and they get thrown off. So how how can you organize to combat that? Dealing with other people's disorganization is really hard mm. because you have no control over it, but yet you're being affected by it mm -hmm. no fault of your own and you're having to deal with the, not necessarily the consequences consequences but the effects but <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> there are some things you can do beforehand before you get those last minute calls before you get those cha uh, change in schedule requests there's there's a couple things you can do obviously you can't control the person but these are the things that you can control. All right. So dealing with last minute changes, um, either schedule wise or the last minute request for service before they happen. Keyword is before they happen. Well, that's three words, but before they happen. <laughs> <laughs> so making sure that you look at your schedule either the week or the day before. If you know that you're going to have a busy day or schedule, by getting up a little bit earlier. It doesn't have to be an hour. It doesn't have to be 30 minutes. It can be 10, 15 minutes. If you can get up a little bit earlier and get a little bit of a head start on your day, you've gained a couple of minutes, um, you know, to prepare for the day that lies ahead. Because what's that saying, Colin? When it rains, it pours, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So it seems to me that when we have those busy days, Everything that could go wrong may go wrong. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can get up a little bit extra earlier um, and get a little bit of a head start in the game, that's step one. Um, if you can prepare the night before, either by packing your lunch, lay out your clothes, have your bags and what you need to take ready to go. Again, just one less thing you have to worry about. Again, finding your keys, finding your lunch, making your lunch, what have you. Mm -hmm. I know for me, I have a uniform, so I don't have to be like, oh, I'm going to wear this cute little tank top today. And I was like, it's the purple shirt with my logo and pants. And we're gone. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so um, another thing that I don't know if you do this um, with your client, Colin, um, and I don't know a lot of pet sitters that do, is Ask, ask clients if you can have a window of time or a, I call it a spread instead of a set a specific time. Because as we all know, um, especially with dog walkers, that seat spot that everyone wants is lunchtime. Yeah. 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 <laughs> everyone wants their dog let out at lunchtime. And when you do get those calls for the lunchtime visit or what have you, it's, it's kind of hard to accommodate because you do have people that are already kind of set in the schedule. So what I ask clients, especially if they're looking for something in particular or last minute, is I ask them if I can have a window of time. So between like 12 and 2, I can come by or 3 and 4 or 9 and 10 or 9 and 11. Um, that way, it's just a great way to work schedules around as far as that is concerned. Yeah. So having that window of time versus that, that particular time is always helpful for me because I'm able to help a lot more people and not say no. Yeah. When you have, when you, 
have someone request uh, the walk exactly at 1233, you know, that's really hard to work into a really busy, busy lunchtime schedule. But if you can say, okay, between 12 and 130, the service will get done. That, as you mentioned, you're able to flex that those times and really work in more people for in that in those tight spots. Exactly. So another thing that you should do is make sure your clients are aware of your last minute service policies or change of request time. Hmm. Um, have it written in the contract and have it written on your website. And I read this as a, um, one of the questions is, I don't feel like charging them for last minute visits and changes. Do it. Yeah. Do it, do it, do it, yeah. do it. Because that is your time. <laughs> you're, you're bending to their request. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's messing up your day. You, you need to charge them for it. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that can be scary because step one, we, we typically already undervalue ourselves because we don't feel like the services are worth it. Or we, we would, you know, we'd gladly do this stuff for free. So any money somebody's willing to give me is just fine. And then we, t- step two, sometimes, you know, we don't like making people angry and it can be kind of scary to go, okay, because you just requested a walk that you want done in the next hour, I am going to charge you 25% more or whatever you, however you choose to do that in your business. But as you mentioned, like that's your time that they are asking from you last minute for you to throw off your entire schedule. So you have to make it worth it and charging appropriately is definitely where to start. In addition to that, I would have to add, you're looking at it as an individual client, but think about it, how it affects your clients as a whole, Mm. how your other clients are going to be affected because this one client didn't have their stuff together or there was an emergency. So we're, as a Western society, we're very individualistic. But I think as pet sitters, we are very collectivistic as well. So we think about the whole. Yeah. Would you, you know, taking on this new person, what does that do to the care that you're able to give to your other pre-existing clients? Does, if it, if it's going to start hurting that service, then, you know, take that into account. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. Don't look at it as like, I'm charging them more um, and they may get angry if I say no. I'm like, think about your other clients who may suffer or may be affected because of this decision yeah. or this request as well. Yeah. So maybe look at it that way. Um, I know another thing is important, again, looking over your schedule either the night before or the week before, but knowing if you have assistance and your backups, um, what they're doing for the week. Um, I know I've been put into situations where you know, I have, I have the clients across town, for example, last minute. But I do know that my assistant is over there working currently. So I can call them and say, hey, can you please go check on so-and-so <laughs> while you're over there? <laughs> so knowing where your assistants are or what their schedule is like, to, in case you get that last minute call, is just, it'll save you lots of headaches. Mm-hmm. So, and then the last one is to establish good relationships and contact with other trusted pet sitters and dog walkers. So now we're dealing with the last minute schedule changes as they happen. So day of, minute of. As Queen Elizabeth II says in her motto, keep calm and carry on. Mm -hmm. So don't get frustrated. I know it sometimes it's very hard. I get frustrated, but you know, 
frustration is not going to solve the problem. So, but let's take some look at look at things with a clear mind. So, number one, look at logistics. Where are you currently located? Where will you be? And where do you need to be? Look at the time. How long is it going to take you there uh, to get there? What time are they asking for? All that fun stuff. What is the client asking for? Is it an overnight? Is it just a quick potty break? Is it a walk? Is it medication? All that fun stuff. And lastly, here's the real kicker. Who is the client? Is this the client a repeat offender for last minute changes or calls? Is this a family or medical emergency? Yeah. And here's, this is the most important part. Is it reasonable what they're asking you to do? Yeah. <laughs> no, and these, I mean, these are so, they're so basic questions, but we fail to ask them uh, each time, right? We, we find ourselves in the same situation. That goes on to the question of what you can, looking at yourself at this point. So is the time requested, and I have it in big, bold letters, um, does it work for your schedule? So if the answer is no, and you can't say no, <laughs> say no. <laughs> oh, that's so hard, though, because we are, we, we, we're caregivers, right? We're caregivers. We love to make people and pets happy by, provi- by providing excellent service or, you know, by serving them and saying no. Gosh, that's, that's, a, that's a nasty two-letter word. Yeah, and it's also like a little dagger to your heart. And, you know, it's just like, but, you know, you are only one person. So you can only do so much. So I know we don't like to say no. I know that I hate saying no. But this is what you can do. Offer what you can do instead. So, for example, I actually had a client call me today. In fact, um, I was scheduled to go walk them around lunchtime. And I get the call of, can you actually go pick up my dog at the kennel? Because I had to travel last minute last night and I could not get back. So he came back pretty early in the morning and went to try to go pick up his dog, but he was being groomed. So I got the call of, can I go pick him up later? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, this is not a really good day, but this is what I can do. It's like, perfect, that's fine, no problems. Thank you for being so flexible. So offering what you can do is always a good thing because you're not saying no, you're just offering something that you're able right. to do. So giving them options that work for, in big bold letters, you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So remember... You're the one helping them. Yes, you're the one servicing them. Yes, but you're the one doing the service. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's that, that just that simple enough refocusing of the equation lets you know that you have a say in how this goes down too. Exactly. And, and, and that part is empowering as it should be because they're coming to you for help. So now what works for you? Exactly. And then you get to wear the superhero cape if you save the day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, <laughs> I like my superhero cape. So, um, 
always check with your assistants as well. Again, this is going back to the before the last minute calls and schedules happen and check their schedules and locations, see what they can do. Right. Um, I don't know, Colin, if you've heard of your, if, I know with marketing, have you heard of your ideal slash dream client? Uh, I have not. Okay. So in marketing, there's a term called your ideal slash dream client. So these are clients that you love working with them. Um, you will do anything, almost anything for them. And they meet certain things that kind of help keep you run smoothly. Like either they book in advance or, you know, they're consistent with pay, but they're like your dream client. Yeah. Like if everyone could be like them, you would be set for life. Um, but that's not always the case. <laughs> um, <laughs> But one of the criteria that I ask my clients is client flexibility and understanding that you have other clients that you're servicing as well. Mm. So again, going back to the aspect of how is this affecting your other clients as a whole? So I always check with clients that I know this may be possibly affecting their schedule. Mm. Um, my clients, as long as you're communicating and then communication is big in our industry. So I have found that most of my clients are very understanding if an emergency pops up with another client, if I give them the details. So I'm not saying like give them their full name, address and phone number, but I'm saying, Hey, <laughs> Hey, I have a client that, you know, they have a medical emergency. Um, they're in the area. I might be a few minutes late coming to you. Um, and most of the, these are animal lovers and pet lovers too. And they kind of put themselves in my other, the, the emergency client or the last minute client. Again, however you want to describe these last minute clients as, um, they understand that and they would probably want the same flexibility that they are giving if and when that time comes for them. So having a flexible and understanding client is important as far as that is concerned. And again, communicating that to your other clients if there's an emergency that pops up. So. Yeah. yeah, and knowing that, th that they appreciate that too. And, and they being you being honest and, and keeping that communication open and letting them know, hey, uh, you know, this may affect you. And if they're not okay with that, then, you know, don't take on that that schedule, that, that new schedule or, oh. you know, re try another way to, to get it worked in. Exactly. So again, the last resort is telling your client no. But mm -hmm. I had a friend of mine telling me this is you cannot provide a reliable service if the request is unreasonable. Mm -hmm. So we want to be reliable, but sometimes, you know, I can't go walk a dog on the moon. That's unreasonable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that comes back that gets to thinking through some of these scenarios. Would mm -hmm. I be willing to do this? Or what about this? Or what about this? And just have some of those policies already in place. You don't have mm -hmm. to publish them, but just have them on a Word document or have them on your phone so that they're there for to remind you in those situations. Exactly. Yep. So now we're dealing with the after effects of the last minute schedule changes. Again, going back to what you mentioned um, previously, the client history. Is this a repeat offender? Um, there's basically a couple of options with this. 
but you know, either you stick it out and deal with it and just remind them of the policy changes or the policy and procedures. Um, you can charge them for more for service, especially for last minute visits mm. uh, or changes in schedule. Or my favorite, you let them go. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> It's not really my favorite, but I meant that in a sarcastic way. (laughs) But you have sometimes, you know, what's that saying? Um, A bad apple spoils a bunch kind Mm -hmm. of deal. So I mean, you don't want someone that is constantly calling you last minute. It's not good for you. It's not good for your business. It's definitely not good for your other clients. Yeah, no, it's it's the it's that 80 20 rule or that 90 10 rule of, you know, 90% of your clients are going to be just fine. It's Mm -hmm. that 10% that are going to cause 90% of your problems. And so at what point do you no longer offer them service? And, and, and how do you balance that? You know, that's, that's, looks different for everybody, how they handle that, whether it's just charging them more and go, okay, you're going to be a problem client, if I charge you, you know, 30% more, that makes me happy. And I can deal with that. Some mm-hmm. people might, and they just don't want the hassle in their lives, so they don't offer them service. Yeah, if they were causing you to drink at the end of the day, I think it's time to let them go. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so this is a weird question, Colin, but um, that I received. But I feel like I need more details. But if you want to go ahead and read it, maybe we can talk it out together. Okay. Yeah. So this question was: um, when people run late. How do you keep it from messing up your entire schedule? So I was a little surprised with this one because there wasn't enough information for me to kind of go off of. Like um, the, the devil's in the details, as I like to say a lot. Um, so um, if this uh, person that asked this question is listening, um, my question to you is, are these people that you are meeting up with somewhere? Is this a client? home um is this a meet and greet like what is this like is it your assistant that's running late is it a client that's running late is it Mm. a potential client that's running late um i mean it's kind of a loaded question basically um but here's here's what i do suggest if it's a meet and greet for example offer to schedule for another time um I try when I do meet and greet, obviously the general rule of thumb is obviously 30 minutes to an hour um, as a general rule for a meet and greet. I feel like Um, I sometimes tend to leave more towards the hour. Um, But I always make sure that, you know, I have nothing going on the rest of the day if I do run over. Um, Sometimes adding that extra buffer of time. So like if you know you have a client at two o'clock, and you know you're meeting a client at one maybe try to shoot for 12 45 mm-hmm. as a meet for a meeting um that way you have that 15 minute window um if they do run late for whatever reason and again communicating with the any clients that you may have afterward that you are running a little bit late um and you can always reschedule and it definitely advise that you have other appointments to keep yeah yeah the the time the time buffer really is power is is helpful there of if you book yourself okay well i'm gonna have a meeting from 12 to 12 30 and then i'm going to next meeting is from 12 30 to 1 and that you if you don't give yourself buffer what happens if traffic's buckled or what happens if if somebody does late then 
everything does get thrown off. So really building in buffer and some breakpoints in your day so you can catch up if you need to. It's literally the domino effect. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so um, the next question, I believe, is about burnout. Yes. So the, so this person wrote, um, you know, I stay pretty well organized. And so they, they're, they're pretty well organized to begin with. But they tend to go through burnout cycles because I'm always manic about one thing or another. But sometimes forgetting that no is an option. I know we touched on that. And then they get totally burned out. So I think I mentioned to you, Colin, that I practiced this with a, a colleague of mine yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> and when I got to this sub subject, she's like, thank you. <laughs> so thank you for reminding me this. <laughs> yeah. So um, what I do is I keep a standing appointment for myself and I treat it like a client. So obviously, Colin, you don't cancel on clients unless it's absolutely necessary, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You need to treat yourself as a client. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I'd, I'd love that idea. Yeah, you, you shouldn't cancel, your, uh, cancel on yourself because that's your me time. Um, I know for me, I'm usually officially off the clock um, in regards to work between 7 and 8 p.m. So that gives me two to three hours to chill out for the rest mm. of the day. And yeah. yeah, I have little breaks in between during the day. Um, but I'm, I'm officially done between 7 and 8 o'clock at night. Yeah. Um, do not, I'm slamming my fist on the table, do <laughs> not cancel on yourself <laughs> because you need to have your me time because you're worthless when you are burnt out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah. I, I know for an example, um, I get those weekend calls, you know, like we're, we're going, I'm in Orlando. We're going to go to Disney for the day. So I, I have a standing appointment with myself, with my, my riding instructor, not writing, riding, I'm on a horse. Um, mm. Yeah. <laughs> that I always keep that it's a standing appointment and it's my me time. So right. again, going back to what I previously said, um, if you can't offer the specific time they're asking for, offer what works for your schedule. Yeah. So if you give them an option, nine times out of 10, they're going to take it. Yeah. So, um, but again, Colin, do not cancel on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, as you mentioned, you know, putting, setting that framework of, well, I'd never cancel on a client. So mm -hmm. why would I, why would I cancel on myself? Aren't, you know, don't, shouldn't I be making sure that I'm okay first so that I can give that best care so I can give that high quality and that consistency that I, that I strive for. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that really helps block out that time and, and makes that important. Yeah. There's no, there is an I in pet sitter. So, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and our next question kind of lines up with this time theme of um, I just lack time in general. I'm often invoicing people at midnight or coming home from a visit at 10 p.m. What I have to say to this person is you, you need to listen to uh, the streamlining podcast. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. You're, you're welcome. But it's true. Um, I tell people all the time when I first started this business, I was the CEO, the janitor, the cook, 
um, the accountant, the CEO, the COO, the CFO, whatever OO yeah. you want to add yeah. and everything in between. Um, and then it got to a point in my business where I was like, I don't have time for this. Yeah. And you need to delegate the things that you absolutely hate. For me, it was accounting and being a CPA. Mm. Um, so I went and hired one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, you mentioned like, okay, let's, let's delegate that out. And uh, I feel a lot of times when people are considering uh, that when they start talking about being too busy as a pet sitter, when we start talking about hiring somebody, the first thing is, okay, well, I need to hire another dog walker or another driver or something like that. And the, the administrative side gets kind of put on the back end of, oh, well, I'll just do all that. But if you hate it, why would you continue to stick that, your, with that task with you every single day? Get that off of your plate first. And, and so that you can focus on the other tasks that you enjoy doing. Um, but again, I'm a, also a pen and paper kind of girl. Like I have a journal with me literally within arm's reach. So if I need to write something down or remember to do something, I just write it in my, my journal. And again, that guilty pleasure of crossing it off the list is applied. So, um, and another great way, like, again, if you're not really tech savvy, you don't like using Alexa or Google Assistant or Siri. Um, I use my text as a reference point reminder. So it, it's basically like a mini checklist. So the communication that you have for the day is like right on the, the text list. So you can pretty much go through your text and see like, oh, I need to email so-and-so um, because they called today or send me a text. And I was going to say, it, you know, when we're talking about digital assistance, you know, if you have it, data that needs to get put into specific scheduling software that you don't find you're having time for, Hiring a virtual assistant or some or an actual physical assistant in your in an office somewhere and you give them that data and then they manually enter the data in appointments, that may be a step too. If if you know, you know, if it has to go to someplace specific that maybe Google, Alexa, or Siri can't hook into, you know, just if you don't like manually adding it, but it still needs to get manually added, have somebody else do that. Exactly. I know. Um, I don't know where would you find a virtual assistant these days. Like I know Fiverr has them, but uh, yeah, and I don't know if there's a good listing service. Um, I I can uh, what I can do is I can add a couple links that uh, do some research on that and add those to our show notes, though. So um, yeah, I think that are... would be good for our the listeners. So, yep. but I know Fiverr has it, and that's f i v e r r dot com. So. Um, and finally, <laughs> yes. So a lot of times in our businesses, you know, as digital as we try and be, there's still going to be some paperwork. And so this next question was paperwork receipts and trying to keep them organized. My mom is basically my personal assistant. Kudos to your mom. Yes. Um, <laughs> what an awesome, what an awesome mom. <laughs> yeah. I love your mom. I haven't met your mom, but I love your mom. Um, <laughs> um, box dot com and that's with an ed so s h o e b o x e d has been my personal lifesaver when it comes to paper receipts. <laughs> um, basically, what I you can literally take all the receipts that you have, um, either it's in a box or the ziploc bag, whatever. Um, you can mail those receipts 
up to their office. They will scan them digitally for you, put them into categories, and you can create your own report on the dashboard. Problem solved. You're wow. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> That's kind of a game changer. <laughs> it, oh, it was a major. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and absolutely. Like there, there are very simple ways that, you know, downloading a PDF scanner app on your phone and spending just a few minutes a day at the end of the day, processing all of them. You know, you mentioned you, you remove everything from your wallet and just take your photo, let it scan and then drop it in a folder somewhere so that you have in a structure and, you know, maybe start there. And then if you have too many receipts or it gets too overwhelming, move up to the QuickBooks or the shoebox and just get more and more of it off of your plate. I'm, I'm curious, uh, Savannah, if you have any other resources that um, you'd recommend that people could seek out if they're interested in diving deep into more about organizing for their business or just personal organization in general. There are, like I mentioned, professional organizers. We do exist. Um, <laughs> we are like the fairy godmothers with the magic wand. So we'll come in and help you. We're not going to do it for you. <laughs> mm. We're going to help you get through it. So yeah. um, the National Association of Professional Organizers, they usually have a list of um, local professional organizers that are in the area. Um, so if you're considering... You know, if you can't, if you feel like you can't do it on your own, get help. Um, I would recommend getting it through NACO um, because they do have a certification program that exists um, for them. Um, I think, um, Colin, have you ever heard um, of Marie Kondo? I have actually, and she actually has. Uh, this, yeah, you. Yeah, tell me about her. <laughs> um, so Marie Kondo, I'm calling on the spot. Yeah, the life-changing magic of tidying up the Japanese art of decluttering and organizing. Wow. In a nutshell. <laughs> right. <laughs> this, this book is just a different way of organizing. So most organizers go by room. Marie Kondo basically suggests to go by category of items. So hmm. you basically pick up, um, you pick a category. So in this case, books so you go throughout all the house and make a pile of books and then you ask yourself does this spark joy and that's kind of the, yeah. the yeah. hashtag of the the for her is like does this spark joy does it bring you joy if it doesn't it needs to go mm -hmm. um <laughs> so that's just just that's one um that's just a different method of organizing if you have time to read if you like reading the again Marie Kondo's it's, it's a different way of organizing and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, it's different. Just different. Um, it's different. Um, again, like I said, there's, there's no white right or wrong way of organizing as long as it works for you. Um, yeah. And then uh, if people just have questions in general or just kind of want general feedback there, you're more than welcome to contact me. So, yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, yeah. So, yeah, my next question was, how can people reach out with questions? Because, you know, we covered an awful lot. And with you being a pet sitter, you know, you have a unique insight into how to uh, apply some of these to the life of, pet, of a pet sitter. So how can people reach out to you and follow along with all that you've got with all that you're doing? Um, they can reach out to me to my Facebook um, it is the Savvy Sitter, the S and it's S-A-V-V-Y, um, like Captain Jack Sparrow, Savvy, 
(laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's the nickname. That's where it came from. Thank you, Captain Jack. (laughs) Very nice. (laughs) So so they can reach me at the Savvy Sitter on Facebook. Um, You'll see my beautiful face on the um, profile. Um, But I'm also on Instagram. And again, it's the Savvy Sitter, S-A-B-B-Y, T-H-E-S-A-B-B-Y-S-I-T-T-E-R. And I'm pretty responsive. Um, If you don't hear from me, just do a follow-up. There is one more thing I want to say is just know that change doesn't happen overnight. No one's perfect. And, you know, if you're striving to make a better you or make your business better, just eat the elephant one bite at a time. So, and it doesn't matter where you start as long as you start. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Uh, No, no, no better words to end on than that. Savannah, thank you so much for walking us through all of that information. I know we all need it and there are areas that we can all improve on. So thank you so much for talking with us today. It is my pleasure. And I hope everyone has a awesome day. Since doing this interview, I know one of the things that both Megan and I have tried to implement in our home and when we are out and about is to never leave a room empty-handed. With kids, that makes cleaning up so much easier. And as running a business, it keeps the clutter down in the spaces where we need to be working, especially now where we are home and we're kind of all on top of each other. So staying organized just as a home is so much more important now than it ever has been. And then as a business, building these habits into it right now at the very beginning. Savannah talked about how a lot of these things take time to build in and time to get seated and adjusted to how you want to operate. With the lockdowns now and not being able to change things quickly, what a wonderful opportunity to start building in these habits so that whenever things do open back up, they're already ingrained and it's just how you operate as a business and at a personal level. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of the week. We'll be back on Friday with another interview with a dog trainer, Kara, from the doggy spot on things we can be learning now to bolster our animal handling or possibly certifications and things like that to be doing online to continue to educate and learn more while we have the time. We'll talk to you then.